Hey, everybody. Welcome to the I Can't Help You podcast. I'm your host, Danny Conroy, and we have some very special guests here in the studio today. To my left, we have Mr. Jay Farrakane. Jay, welcome. Thank you. He is the founder of Angry Bovine and has done a lot of other cool stuff that we will be talking about and a creative person in our community. And then we also have David Sladen. David is the, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you are the executive director of Atlas, correct? Not Atlas. Uh, uh, studio. At the CMC, studio. Well, let's just say CMCI Studio. Oh, awesome. CMC Studio. And But you've been integrated into Atlas quite a bit. Is that right? Like we worked with Atlas. Um, BDW was in Atlas for about six years. Oh, cool. Okay. So you guys can check that out. And what is the, just so people get it from the beginning, they want to check it out. What is the website that they would check out to see about your work? Right now, they would do CMCI. Studio. Great. And then angrybovine.com, right? Correct. And I know that's what people are doing because they're at their computers. You can check that out as we're <laughs> chatting. And I can waste a lot of time with bios. And these guys are both incredible minds in our community. Just finished doing our caffeinated mornings down here at May Life. And we're just really appreciative of your time. So thanks for coming in and doing this. And, and we appreciate it. Um, I'm really curious, you know, we've, uh, part of the, the, we were talking a little bit about the, the, the goal of this show. We don't actually don't have a goal. It's kind of like Seinfeld, but basically we, uh, we, we like to talk to interesting people and hopefully inspire people, um, to my own belief is that our, our limitations are self-imposed and getting over that piece of what we can't do in our mind and, and being able to visualize something different for ourselves is actually the most important part of getting to wherever we want to go. So when we have the opportunity to have folks like you who have, who have created, made stuff happen and do things, it's really inspiring to our listeners who a lot of times kind of feel like stuck. You know, they're in their own situation. They kind of can imagine something else for themselves. And those of, us, those of us who have been fortunate enough to be entrepreneurial and do different things kind of say, you know, it's kind of, it's beginning up here, right? It's beginning mm -hmm. in the head, but it's when you're in, when you're in that, it seems so far away. Um, and so I've realized a long time ago, I can't really help anybody get there, but I can talk to people who have, you know, made those things happen for themselves. And so I think, you know, just to start off, I'd just love to hear your guys' perspective in general, kind of on the, the state of creativity and the state of where we're at right now um, and, and in your work and what's inspiring you and maybe a little bit of how you got into doing what you're doing. And, um, and it's always interesting to other people when they, uh, people do not have traditional jobs. How did they get there? How did this happen for them? I'll let David start. Um, well, what you stimulate in me is that, that line about drawing, all right? And the line is that everybody can draw, but you have to see it before you can draw it. Mm. And it's like that future where you go like, oh, you know, once people like go, oh, can't imagine what it would be like to be happy or better or whatever. And you can really picture it. Then you've got something that, that you can molt. You know, and so I, I see it like that in many respects. It's like, you know, because when you make stuff, it's like there's a moment where you just like you just know it. You just see it. And then you're ready to execute. But there's yeah. a lot of bumping around in the dark before you get there. Or sometimes it just just happens. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think in the, in the creative world in particular, there is a, a really almost a self-abusive culture because you want to do what's right. And I come out of, you know, David comes out of music, which is repetition and learning. And I come out of skateboarding, which is falling down, getting back up. And there's a persistence in both. And I think... And a similarity in both, actually, oh, right? Oh, completely. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and and it's funny because music or, you know, a lot of times it caffeinated as a as a how to, how to make it. Yeah. It, really, the two things that come up a lot of times are, well, there's the commonality of like, what's your background? Because yeah. that's going to inform a lot of where you go. Sure. And then um, are you persistent? And are you willing to screw up a lot and then keep moving forward? Yeah. Um, and I, and I think 
it is. It's, it, you almost have to, the creative industry in particular, how do you find yourself in this world? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know if I would have functioned in any other yeah. thing because there isn't, the end result is all that matters. No one really cares how you get there. Yeah. And so for me, and my and both of us being like wicked ADD yeah. and not really good at following everyone else's processes. Yeah. Same. I mean, it's a miracle we're all in the same room. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, and it, it, but it is, I think. And I, I, don't, I also want to kind of, I would challenge that, hmm, I think industry wants, uh, the industry, when I say industry, I think the world of people going to work want you all to fit neatly into this thing that they can commoditize your time and stuff like that. And the creative industries are interesting because... It, 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 like I said, it's the end result that really once you get there, no one cares mm. how you got there. So you end up with this certain sect of people mm. that are usually self-starters, mm. usually really enduring. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have an ego, you can check it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know. Those are some of the, the secrets to the success, I think, of of just making it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Repeat that again. That was awesome. Those three. Secret of success is, oh, you have to be enduring. You have to really be able to take a beating. And then you just can't ever quit. And I don't know. I said that's one of those twice. I don't know. And check your ego. Oh, it is. Oh, and I, and I've actually, I've said that a long time going is is that the ego I think is one of the most destructive things in the creative industry. But it's also super important at the same time because if you didn't have an ego, I want to do a good job. I want to make this thing right. But it's also being able to step aside from it and going like, what's the idea need? What's mm. the problem that mm. needs to be solved here? Because sometimes it's actually, more often than not, it's never about you. Mm. Um, mm. And that's one thing I try and beat into designers a lot of times. You very rarely design for yourself. Yeah, I don't want to, we don't want to see you in the design, really. Exactly. Well, yeah. and that's, and and I think that that's an interesting phenomenon, whether it's Instagram or something like that. I tell design students all the time. Do you know how fortunate it is that you can go find a hero on Instagram and probably reach out to them and talk to them? Mm. When I went through design school, most of the guys that I admired were dead mm-hmm. or like really old living in the woods in New York. And I would like, I would have to go find them mm. to talk to them. Mm. And so, but those guys weren't famous for the designs they did. Mm. And so there's been an interesting change in the creative industry now where people making are mm. actually celebrities. Mm. And I think that's a weird ego check thing too. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how did you, it's a broad question, of course, but how did you embark upon where you are? Like I, when you were eight years old, 16 (laughs) years old, did you see yourselves where you are now? Was there any element of that? How early did some of these visions come for you? Uh, I just thought it was the way it worked for everybody. You know, (laughs) I didn't feel different. I didn't feel special. I just felt like that's just obvious to me that this is the way you should do this. This Uh, being... Whatever I was doing, yeah, it's stuff like that. Like, um, this is sounds made up, but it's not. It's basically <laughs> I had a, a book. It was the Black Beauty, a big format book, Black Beauty, and it had uh, you know the, in, in books you have those frontispieces, those blank pages in the front and back. I couldn't even write, but I wrote. <laughs> I mean, they showed me that book that I was like writing. Hmm. I think I had a story I was telling, but. You know, the writing was nonsense, but uh, it didn't even look like letters and stuff like that. But it's just, so I just did that stuff. And so the line always was like, so what's he doing? I was like, I don't know, leave him alone. You know? <laughs> well, that, that, that leads me to, because right? in my work, I work with people a lot of the time trying to overcome these hurdles or even just get to a point of like, you actually have permission to author your own life. Yeah. You know, just to, yeah. to have that vision that you were talking about earlier. What was your upbringing like? What... 
did you have parents who supported this? <laughs> you know, how did how did you how did you stay free? I guess would be the question. Nobody cared. Um, <laughs> no. So it's the other end of the spectrum. You were neglected, and you could do whatever. No, you want. I wasn't neglected. It was just like I'm the youngest of four children. This is going to boggle people's minds. I have a half sister, a brother, a sister, an ex step brother, ex step sister. And a dead stepbrother and a live stepbrother. I think that's it. So, uh, but by the time I came along, I was an accident. It was like the, the love child. And basically, so everybody's like, okay. Here's some I was, crayons. <laughs> I, was, I was born at 11.45 p.m. on Christmas Eve, ruined my brother's Christmas, knocked him out of the birth order. You know, I was in con- an inconvenient truth. But, um, but basically... I felt great. I mean, but my grandmother named me. I'm like, why did my grandmother name me? Like, my mom's like, I don't know. We were kind of out of out of names. <laughs> and then, so I just got left alone to do what I wanted to do. There was no obstruction, or that's a weird word to use right now. But, uh, but it's no. I just was left to to make do my own stuff. And I, my mother took me to the school board. I was four, huh. and she said, "Take him. He's ready." And they tested me, and they're like, "Yeah, he's ready." So. And I asked my mom, like, you want me? She's like, I just had to get you out of the house. And I'm like, was I mean? She's like, no, you don't have a mean bone in your body, but you were into everything all the time. Super curious, checking things out. Yeah, this is a really embarrassing story. The day I discovered hard-boiled eggs, all right? Um, (laughs) I'm I'm sitting there in the kitchen, hanging out with my mom, and basically my mom goes, gets a call from the neighbor, and she needed something, so my mom says, I'll be right back. And she goes to the refrigerator, gets out an egg, comes over and goes, and gave me an egg to eat. By the time she got, I was like, wow, this is magic. And by the time she got back uh, in the house, I had like almost a dozen eggs raw, broken on the countertop. Because I'm like... Trying to find another one. Well, I'm like, well, I'm like, maybe if you do your wrist like, like that, you know. All right, you backhand. <laughs> so it's, it's like a really disciplined lack of discipline, yeah. I think. Yeah. Disciplined lack curiosity. Of discipline. Yeah, yeah, curiosity. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Uh, it, it, it's funny because when if people have known me before they know my background, then they go, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was the product of um, my mom was crazy, and she was like a little, she was arty and just kind of out there. And I don't know if I had to describe her, she was raging like all the time. Like like if she was cleaning, she was raging. If she was partying, she Super was intense. raging. Yeah, yeah. And my dad's a marine, and so I grew up in the Marine Corps. And so I have this weird capacity for enduring awful uh, conditions, but still being like, how do we rage in this environment? And, you know, and, 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 and again, skateboarding comes into it. Like, how did I get in and out of jumping fences without getting arrested? Cause you'd end up on the, the police blotter and then your dad would send you to military school and (laughs) stuff like that. So, um, I got this really interesting balance of total anarchy and my mom. And then, um, my dad, like. There was just no questions. Like a and like it, a punk marine. I I think so. And I almost <laughs> actually almost joined the Marine Corps, which would have been the kookiest thing in my whole life. And in <laughs> the uh, and I remember because I I was going to cross country. I was going to college for design, and I ran cross country. But I was the only dude running cross country and cutoffs and vans. And uh, <laughs> one day we were out on on a, a training run, and we ran into the uh, the ROTC unit that was at my campus and they're like hey come out for our field day next time and so i was literally in because i just i was like i had such a big chip on my shoulder i'm like i'm gonna destroy everybody <laughs> and i blew these guys away in like vans and like cutoffs and so uh 
I remember like, and then I went back to my car and like puked and slept for four <laughs> hours. But um, I was like, there's no way those guys are going to see me suffer. And so, uh, but anyway, that's that's even very akin to how I built yeah. my career is, yeah. is like I got these very fortunate events that based on a lot of just hard work and yeah. enduring, yeah. Um, I waited for those opportunities to present themselves and took full advantage of them. And when somebody's like, you think you can do this? I'm like, heck yeah. I had no way of knowing I could do it, but how would you get the opportunity otherwise? That's, so I think that that's so crucial. It's like this, totally. this just saying yes, actually. Oh yeah. Sure. You'll figure yeah. it out later. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll fall and I'll get back up or, yep. or whatever. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I, and, and I think there was the, another byproduct of, um, where I was born in the South too. Mm. And then I moved to Hawaii. Mm. So I was this goofy white kid with a Southern accent that everything came out of my mouth sounded like I was being a smart ass. Right. And so it's it's a it, there's a lot of fist fighting is the way things get solved there sure. and so you either got really funny or you ran fast yeah or you because uh, you could make people laugh or you yeah know, take their attention off so you could sneak out of the room and yeah. not get your ass kicked yeah but, um, yeah I think that's it, it's very akin to like all the things that built me to like how I yeah work through work today yeah yeah I'm a frustrated comic myself and I <laughs> I, I attribute all of it back to being in third grade moving from Chicago to Southern California hmm. and and getting bullied. But I got funny. And once I got funny... Then you're in. Then you're in. Yep. And, and, and everybody needs a clown. So yep. that, that word, it became a life skill that was actually super beneficial for me. Hmm. Super, yeah. super beneficial. Yeah. So to someone who doesn't, in, in these circles and certainly around made life and everybody, like, you guys are kind of stars. I mean, people know who you are and, and what you do. But my listeners, a lot of them probably have no idea. So tell me a little bit about what do you do each day? What do you, what do you, tell me about your business and what gets you up out of the morning and just give, give, give people an overview of what you, what you do. Uh, most important thing I do is get up early and take my dog out for two hours. Yeah. My border collie, my yep. nine month old border collie. So that's pretty much controls my whole life. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's that. Um, okay. This is going to be funny. Um, I was at the dentist not that long ago and they're like, are you going to retire? And I'm like, no, I'll probably just die. And they were like, <gasps> and I'm like, well, everybody dies. Right. You know, Can we say that? It's like, so why don't you just, but it's like, I just like. I pooped today too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or not. I like the process. But no, it's just like I like to work and I like to see results and it's just like tangible. I'm, you know, about remodeling this house and uh, somebody said, so are you going to get an induction cooked up? I'm like, no, um, my brain's just not abstract enough, you know, to work with. I need gas. I need to see flame, you know. Yeah. And so it's just knowing that those kinds of things like that. So saying, you know, just working on that. But, um, you know, right now I'm doing a lot of really boring stuff because we, we're finishing up a, a group and we're starting a new group and there's all this new stuff come in. So, um, but once I accept it, I, I just like, wow, I'm getting better at this, mm. you know, like scheduling. I'm horrible at scheduling. Mm. Uh, I have no sense of time. And so, so working on that, yeah. So, like, it's like I find pretty much everything interesting, which is means I'm a very simple person, you know. But stuff like that, and I'm sort of mystified. Simple. You have a lot going on, though. Yeah, and you design stuff. I just I'm always looking at stuff to improve it. Um, at the dog park, an elderly woman had a puppy jump up on her and knock her over, and it was. She's okay, but it was pretty weird, and she banged her head and bled. And the next day, I'm walking. This was your border collie, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. No, okay. No, okay. <laughs> think, no, think, whoever you think. You know, it's like, no, I was, I was across the, the place, but I saw it happen. But next time I'm walking along, like, so she's. It was really weird to see her bounce back, rock back and forth. I'm like, you know, if she could have just stabilized herself instead of falling dead, dead hard back after a wobble. And so I'm like, so, like, so what would you design? Like walking sticks that. 
shoot lasers or you know right. uh, but I mean what what would you do I started thinking like so how do you how would you solve that problem so it's somebody who's 84 can yeah. still walk in the park right, right. And super that's valuable just where, just where your brain goes yeah. well and that's what's funny is is like with David and running the, the school program and things like that you this this thing that we always try and define in a lot of the ca- caffeinated talks is what's design mm. mm-hmm. and, and so like that's design though is mm. like David's always kind of like whether you're crafting a program for the school or figuring out how to help the old lady not wobble, you know, like that is, it's what's funny about designers is we're always actively solving things. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so I think it's a, it's a funny world to be a designer because you're like, what do you do when you right. wake up in the morning? And yeah. really it's, you try and figure out what to fix. Yeah. Like that's it. Yeah. You know, and, and there is a, you know, every one of us, both of us spend time at a desk every day. Yeah. Um, but does it, it, we said it this morning is is like that's not where problem solving really happens. It usually does happen on the dog walk. So if we have clients or projects that we're working on, it's not at your computer. Yeah. It's not where you're ever going to figure anything out. Yeah. That's a manifestation tool, right? Like yeah. you, you put your solution into it so mm. it can be archived. Mm. But if you if you have a problem in or you're working on things for clients, and I work on like everything from writing scripts to yep. doing logos to yep. apparel. Yeah. And and I love that. Yeah. And I and a lot of people hear that and they go, wow, it's so diverse. I'm, I, I really don't look at them as any different. Just as David doesn't look at writing a program, that's still design. Yeah. You have to figure out the story arc and all that stuff in yeah. it. And and I think designers every day just wake up figuring out what they're going to go work on. And sometimes, and that's a, I think that's a that's the aspirational yeah. view of it. Yeah. Like I work, I, I joke that I'm I'm very much the blue collar yeah. designers. I'm the blue collar designers designer. Yeah. Because sometimes it doesn't need a lot of fancy shit. Right. Sometimes we just have to dig a ditch. Right. And that stuff doesn't shine in your portfolio, but it pays bills. Yeah. And and this is a job. Yeah, sure. I think that's the other thing that terrifies when you talk to creative students. Right. Tell them that this is a job. Right. If they don't think it's like put on a smock and a beret and right. holy shit, I'm inspired all the time. <laughs> right, and I'm hanging at coffee shops and no, it's all going to be just No, it's fun. not. It's yeah. like, like I, I, going back to where we started today, like you beat yourself up a lot. And remember when you were talking about your writing, you were like, piece of shit like you get i don't know why why do we even do this i'm gonna go get a job at kinko's yeah. you know and yeah. not, not anything against people that work at kinko's but, right um kinko's a sponsor of the show yes, so exactly. we gotta be careful and i love kinko's um <laughs> right now the uh but there is there is a notion of i think a lot of what get, doesn't get told in design is that there is a hard work it's a trade mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. that can be and copywriting is a trade too yeah, and it, it gets approached in the exact same way. One of the coolest things to do is like if you know everybody goes, oh, I write haikus, and like yeah, you do. But if you like really understand the discipline of writing haikus and work with it, you you learn. I mean, you learn like you could probably write that one haiku forever. Mm. And that's what's really interesting about it. It's like the that that variety that 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 very uh, everything that goes on and all that. It's like with words, and which is you know. You just play with them, and you can, you can, and you've got the seventeen syllables, and da, da, da. you've got all this stuff going on, and it's like really like, uh, and I've written about this where it's like the the restrictions are you want limitations, you want restrictions. Yep. It's interesting you say it because I always I, I I try to draw analogies in my own work, which which all of it becomes similar. Like I kind of see if you're if you're an entrepreneur or you're you're creating things that maybe don't exist or you're doing it in a different way. My story on that is that you're actually designing. You're Completely. you're 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 doing that, but I've never called what we do design. It's never really occurred to me to be that way. But I was thinking about one of the things when when people ask about it, like students, younger people will say things like they want to know like how you got there, mm-hmm. right? Like like what is the pathway from A to B to there? And the the 
the thing that's difficult to communicate, I think, is that so it's about following your bliss. It's like, yeah, but then when you're in mm. that bliss, it's it's a grind and it's hard. The best jazz musicians in the world are completely disciplined and have learned more rules than we can even imagine for the for the opportunity to improvise yep. and create something right. that 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 is new and hasn't happened before. And I just wonder, like, how do, how do you can you teach that? I, I wonder that sometimes. That's something that people just kind of have, or you know it's, what I mean? Like, how do you yeah. teach that to people? It's tough. I, yeah? I'll jump on this really quick. Yeah. But it's it's really the reason they stay with that is that they have a respect for what it is, you know, mm. and the structures. And it's also, it's, you know, more words. I mean, jazz is a communication. It's a, it's a communication art. Mm. And so, so it's always a conversation. That's what's so great about jazz. Mm. With the students, you don't come in and go, today we're going to learn this one thing. It's like mm. you just reinforce it repeat through repetition and your own behavior and how you consider things. And I think the, the, the main thing that people do wrong mostly is like, it's it's like oh there's a right or there's wrong like no there's there isn't mm-hmm. you know I mean it's, yeah it's wrong to kill somebody and all that kind of stuff but I'm talking about like when you're looking at situations like the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it well there's a lot of in between and it's I loved it well at agency.com we we the who came up with it I don't know but they said find out what sucks and don't do it <laughs> that's great <laughs> yeah that is an awesome that's a t-shirt and so it's like, it's and so don't much do it. it's you can't really learn what to do but you can learn what not to do that's so true where it's going to take you and it's call it karma or what it cause an effect but it's pretty obvious that if i go you know you know if i hit my hand with a hammer what's going to happen and well i'll know after i do it yeah. And it'll go on the don't do it repeat list. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Jay, John. Well, and I, I think the, the interesting thing with within the design context, and I totally agree, entrepreneurship is full design because if if you break down what design is, it's we have a problem. I need to make a thing to solve for it. Whether that I just want to make money, that can be the problem sometimes. I'm going to make this thing I know I can sell, so maybe it's a T-shirt. But you are already going through design iteration in just that. So. I think one of the critical things in teaching design these days that I find myself trying to do is, is you really try and drive home the context or the rationalization of what rules are. Because mm. people hear rules and they think limitation. Mm. And I think rules provide consistency mm-hmm. and really good visual design. Now we're talking about little d, mm. visual design. The best brands in the world are created through consistency because we as humans want to go, I recognize that, I associate it, I've seen that color before, I've seen that form before. And so a lot of that arrival at that stuff is narrowing down variation Mm. and getting for consistency. So if I'm working with a designer, one of the first things I do, and and websites are a really great example for designing because there's a lot of repetition in them. Um, And so what I often tell designers is once you make a rule, you live by that rule. And it doesn't mean you can't unwrite that rule once you get seven steps out. So if if we go to design a homepage, which has inherently a bunch of the stuff that you'll find in the rest of the site, whether that's fonts, image sizes, things like that. But for a developer, it would be a nightmare. So you have to understand how this thing gets built too, mm-hmm. right? So then there's a bigger understanding of, of that. And really what it comes back to, and this is where it would say with an entrepreneur, with somebody that wants to be a better painter, it, a lot of times it's just making some guidelines for yourself to stick within mm. and and then being okay with them like by the time you get a certain degree out in mm-hmm. it and going like I need to edit that rule so that I'm still living the truth I kind of want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. and, and I think that's the other thing too is people, that's why I say that you have to teach them a new understanding of that word. And I don't think it's defining it, mm. but rules 
can be written by yourself. And if you've written them, feel free to unauthor them yeah. too yeah. and change them. But they're still important. So and important they kind because, of put these guardrails, which, which allow us to actually create. Well, and right? if you look at anyone out there who's just trying to find their way, whether yeah. it's, I'm, I need to get this web design done, which is a fairly finite, understandable little thing, or I don't know what I want to do as a profession, which yeah. is a much bigger path. The two things that you could do in either of those circumstances is start to put these guardrails up that, that you aren't, your decision-making process gets narrowed in a way that you aren't exploring the entire forest. You're starting to look like what's maybe just under your feet at first. And I think that's the biggest problem with people is, is you know, you said it, where do, where do they start? Mm -hmm. And we were talking about Yogi Bearisms, yeah. you know, Yogi Berra. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and so like, uh, people often go, well, how do I get started? And I said, well, you do the work you want to do. Yeah. And, and I had a kid who interned for me who was a locksmith. Mm. And I said, you can't be a good graphic designer if you're a locksmith. And he goes, why? And I'm like, because you're not being a graphic designer. You have to quit that job and focus on this thing. And and he finally did. And he runs his like own little agency in Denver now and stuff. I'm so I'm super proud of him. Yeah. But he he made a rule set yeah. for himself and was like, I can't do that anymore because my focus isn't on it. And yeah. who knows? Maybe the design thing didn't pay off and he would be the world's best locksmith. But, but right now he's doing okay. He wanted to do the he other. He chose a path. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's a big part of it is... I'm just going to try this for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I had a great mentor that said to me one time, get rid of your timepiece and use a compass. Hmm. And that was some of the best advice that I ever got. Point in a direction that you're going and lose track of time. Yep. Because yeah. the time isn't, the linear part's not what's going to help you. Time's just so subjective. Yeah. I mean, that's what's interesting about it. And like, yeah, I've been well, I mean, one of the things I've thought about for a long time is just what I would call like the time sickness where you just, all you can think about is like, how much time we have? And it is like, mm. it just never pays to get in a hurry. Mm. You know, it just doesn't. Mm -hmm. And um, so time's a thing that you have to manage mm. because it's... I love this old Southern phrase about stuff. It's like, don't chew on what's eating you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's really good. Then that's there's really, something very Zen in that too. There really because is. Because you're, it, it, it's giving it energy too, mm. right? At it's the same yogi. time. Yeah. Mm. Well, and and on the uh, God, what was the, there was another Yogi Bearism about. Um, it's this idea of you know, not wasting time. But I remember seeing this interview with, uh, or it was a competition with a famous motorcycle builder named Indian Larry. And the time was running out on this. It was like one of those motorcycle builds that had 24 hours to do it. And he wasn't anywhere near finished. And they zoom in on him and they're like, what are you going to do? You don't have much more time. And he goes, he's still doing what he was doing. And he's like, I'm not really into time. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> mm. that's pretty cool. Oh, this is the Yogi Bearism for time is my wife often asks me, well, how are you going to get it all done? And I said, well, as much time as you have is as long as it'll take. And, and it's true, though, because we were talking about this, a creative process, if, if you would ideally like to help build a company's brand over a three-month period. I had a guy one day at a CEO say, what if I gave you this ridiculous amount of money? Could you have me a brand in tomorrow? And I was like, we could. Would it, be, would it be ideal? And that's the other thing that people start to have to rationalize. Could you make the, a choice about making your business do a certain thing? You could probably make some very snap decisions and they might pay off. Yeah. We all like to think because of time, more time investment means something's going to be better. I'm starting to think that a lot of times that, that I, I can see when I've overworked something yeah. now that that freshness is gone because right. you're, you're starting to accommodate a lot of other opinions and edits into it. And that's one thing that we try and do with a lot of the schools is let, or with a lot of the programs that we teach for the students is let that educator run it so that it has a purity and a freshness mm -hmm, to it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's, 
things can too much time is a bad deal, sure. just as much as too little time is. Sure. So sure. I don't know where we went with that one, but I like it. Yeah. No, definitely. Well, when you when you think about it, um, when somebody says, "Do you is this enough money? Can you do it in twenty four hours?" When you're saying, if you say no, you're thinking about other things you've already done that weren't the same. And so this isn't that situation. Mm. Right. So mm. you, you, what you're doing is you're like modeling on, on something that's already been done in the past and can it restricts you. So if you look, so what do we really have the problem to do now? And what assets do we have to work with? And what will come out of that? Yeah. It's that simple. Uh, that way you're not going to keep retooling the past stuff. That's so great. Um, this is my adopt a millennial segment of the show. So, uh, Justin, you got anything? You got any questions you want to throw out there? You look like you were curious. And then we'll go over to you, Lawrence, to think about yours. Come on. Um, you know, I wasn't really ready for that. I, I, I don't think I really have any questions. Wait, actually, I, have, I, I do have kind of a random thing. I heard yeah. that you're a drummer, David. It's, it's millennial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's millennial. No question. David, you say you're a drummer. Yes. Yeah. 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 We love yes. millennials on the what, show. What kind, of, what kind of drums do you play? Right now, I play mostly hand drums. So I have a, a djembe, uh, a really nice set of bongos, which I, I like in spite nice. of the, the, you know, the way people think about bongos. They're great drums. And some congas. Oh, nice. Cool. And I've been working. I, I'm not brave enough yet to dive into basically tablas because the stuff is just bends your brain. All right. But uh, but I grew up playing. Actually, I wanted to play piano. My mother's like, I don't let a piano in my house. And I'm like, why? She goes, it doesn't match my furniture. But next, wow. the next thing we know, I've got a five piece drum set. And she doesn't care about that at all. And so and that got that asked. I mean, did it match? Uh, no, no, right? It's drums. Right? It's in the basement. Yeah, it didn't care. Uh, yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah, but uh, basically, yes, I played drums, uh, trap set. Um, the last count before I started you know, giving them away uh, to a friend of mine's son, I had like 18 drums, including timbales. Nice. Uh, a bass drum that we sort of redid so I could tune it with my left hand and play like a, uh, you, know, you know, a tunable drum. Like a talking like drum type thing almost. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, where you do like pinches and slides. And, uh -huh. and mallets were fun because they make you so much faster. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, cool. I haven't played with mallets much. I just moved into a single bedroom, small apartment, and I have two drum kits that are both in storage right now, sadly. You can get a tar. You know what a tar is? No. It's an it's a East African hand drum, and you can actually kind of stroke it and play it and slide and stuff like that. And it's oh, about, okay. you know, the one I've got is about 14 inches, and just hold it right here and like... Play. Oh, okay. That sounds kind of like the Brazilian... Um, uh, I'm forgetting what it's called. It's a single hand drum that has yeah. a tambourine and one head. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can, yeah. So, I mean, there are just a lot of drums and different drums. But if I, you know, people are like, do you want to play a trap set, get an electronic set? I'm like, I just don't like the feel, the head, the head action. But if I had a drum set, one, probably all the plaster in my house would break. <laughs> <laughs> Neighbors would complain. But, uh, right. So hand drums are good. And you can, you, you can go on YouTube and play along. Because <laughs> drumming's boring. If it's just you, it's boring. Yeah, it's boring. for sure, for sure. Ms. Lauren, do you have any questions? Yeah, I do. Uh, you talk a lot about um, like failure and repetition, and endurance. Uh, I guess my question is, um, what's harder, um, mm -hmm. enduring failure or maintaining success? <laughs> Let's see. I'm still trying for to hit that success thing. Um, no. no, I don't like maintaining success, you know, because I think it's a real illusion we have. We're going to get. We're going to put. We've got a project. 
mm-hmm. uh, and we've got a system that we're working on and so on. And then, so once you've got it, it's like, so hire somebody to run it because mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. All right. And those people will like to do that. Jay and I have talked about this. We're both, we recognize, uh, we don't th- think about it or we're not proud of it, but we recognize we're, we're leaders, but we're not managers. And I'm just not, I, I, I don't want to do the same thing every day for the next five years unless that same thing is like learning something new to be work, you know, to be mm-hmm. within our area to work in. So there's that. Um, yeah, I, I never think about, I like succeeding. I really like succeeding. I like winning. But once it happens, I'm like, next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the biggest danger of success is if you ever think you've made it, I think ego comes back in and yeah. then it's going to it's gonna really create some bigger issues. And I, I, I don't know, like I said, there is a lot of the endurance thing is probably the hardest part because it is, there is so much self-doubt. I mean, I've met nationally acclaimed, globally recognized creatives, and they're some of the most insecure people you meet in the world. But it, it, their endurance makes up for it because they will not quit and that's why they're good at what they do. And so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it, that's the other thing too. You know, maybe that's the other thing that gets that needs to be reaffirmed is go. I always call it the duck theory. Mm. Ducks on top look really smooth and they're cruising, but they're paddling like hell underneath. Mm. Mm. And most people that have made it that I've ever met are ducks. Mm. They're just really good at not not letting everybody not. They let some people see it, but they don't let everybody see shit. I'm always working to maintain this. Mm-hmm. And that maintenance is an endurance thing in its own right, too, mm-hmm. with success. Well, and mm-hmm. when people say to you, like, so will this work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You laugh so, like that, yeah. like so I just is, did. So is this going to work? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know. We, right. We've talked about this on the show before, but I get the question about work-life balance a lot. And I have no idea what that is. And, and, and it's a choice. I don't, I don't want to know. I, I used to think I wanted to know what that was, but I don't, I don't really because I am – obsessed with doing new things and it's become okay. It's like, that's just what you do. You kind of, I really resonate with not being a good manager. Well, the interesting thing about like people saying, and I I think that that's a really good question to ask yourself because I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer because I've met people on both sides, but if there's work or life balance, for me, my work is my life. Mm -hmm. I've, for the years I tried to go, I'm going to leave that there and I'm going to go over and do this. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not working. Mm. BS. Mm. Designers are the least paid hour employee ever because we're always Mm. thinking about something. Mm. Creatives are in general. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have a friend who is, a fantastic creative, mm. he can shut up. He was actually taught to turn it off. Mm. And so we'll be riding bikes or something. And I said, hey, well, we'll, we'll talk about a project we're working on. And he gives me the Allen Iverson. We talking about work right now? We talking about work? <laughs> you know? And so it, it's kind of funny. It, and, and it's just what you're comfortable with. But I found I had this big struggle that I was always trying to step away and make the time for work right. and for life. Right. And then I found myself in this like really anxious state mm. all the time. And now I it's kind of like I think it's maturing too, yeah. with being have doing design for so long yeah. that you do start to get to this more it's gonna happen mm-hmm. kind of state. And mm-hmm. where it happens, I'm not really I'm not gonna close it off because I could be doing dishes or cooking. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I solved it. Mm-hmm. I got it. Mm-hmm. As long as you can document it, you're good. Mm-hmm. But I would I, I can't turn my work brain off. Yeah. And I don't want to actually. Another thing, yeah. I don't either. And another the other part about the, the your question, I just say is like there's something that happens. I think with people when they've reached a level of quote unquote success, which 
success, what success looked like to me in my early 20s looks very, very different mm-hmm. now, right? <laughs> and at that time, it was just kind of like, well, if I had enough money to get a car and a house and a this and a that, it would all be there. The issue becomes like, with some people I see, well, like they'll sell a company, make a ton of money or do something else. There's an element of you're playing with a lead. So like in sports, if you start playing to not lose, next thing you know, you got a three touchdown lead, but it's gone and you're sort of in this tough situation because you're playing not to lose. And what got you to the lead was playing to win and, and being aggressive and doing the things that you do. So it's this, it's this kind of, I love what you said about some of the most successful people you know are really insecure. Like I'm super insecure. No, well, I, I mean, I am. <laughs> and it, but I come, but I'm the duck who kind of says, okay, I got this together, and these things are going. But underneath that, there's this thing that I'm, I'm, I'm constantly churning and trying to do other things. And it, my shrink could talk talk about that, I imagine. But yeah, and, and you know, you meet younger creatives or whatever, young entrepreneurs, and I just think people coming up through the ranks. You know, I've seen them get starstruck yeah. when they meet people that they really respect. Yeah. And, and whether you can build this in as a trick or not, I think one of my saving graces is for some reason, and I think it was the Marine side of things, walk into battle because that's where our opportunity is. Mm. They're just normal people. So you got to do the visualize them in underwear or whatever it is. Right. They're normal dudes. Right. Actually, David, I stalked David to yeah. get a job at BDW. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, and I remember I was, it was the goofiest thing. I went to like some mixer and I'm like, he's going to be there. And I'm like, I'm going to go talk to him. And then. I'm usually, I get in these circumstances. This was the weirdest social setting because I literally didn't know anybody. There was no like, so oh, I know weird. you from skateboarding or I know you from cycling. Right. Nothing. They're like, who's that? So I go hammer back a couple glasses of Chardonnay. Boom, I'm in, you know? And I did. I introduced and then, you know, eight years later, I am teaching. But it, it did take that walk of faith. You go and look at yourself in the bathroom, pat some water on you. And like, just do it, man. Just go. And and don't be ashamed to stalk. Exactly, stalking. That's stalking, that's, that's the takeaway. Is, is the stalk. Be, that's your that's your takeaway. Yeah. Stalk. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Finish up this. We ended up talking like I didn't talk to anybody else the whole event. We talked. <laughs> we talked for like two hours straight. It's like like now we just couldn't stop. Right. Yeah. So and then I'm like and he goes like Hey, I've been stalking you. I'm like Really? Why didn't you just call? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it affirmed yeah. my. I, he's just just a guy like doing his thing. And, yeah. You know and. Probably would be stoked to have other people that wanted to help him do his thing. It's astounding how many people will talk to you that you think won't. Totally. You know, people will call me sometimes who are in the field that I'm in, and they'll call and say, I just wanted to talk to you, and they're really nice and nervous. Yeah, what's up? How's it going? Because we anybody who everybody's been in that situation who's gone on to have careers or do something that's new or special, they've all been in the situation of not being there and wanting to know how or be able to collaborate or talk to somebody. So... Well, and, and, and I think at, at any profession, the one reason you're probably regarded in your space is because you're able to converse about things that are going on. And that approachability, I don't know, people always go, why do you teach? And I'm like, it's super subversive mm. because I'm learning as much because I'm still a communicator. Yeah. And, I, and, and millennials come in and then yeah. they're like, well, I use Snapchat to do this. And I'm like, how can I hijack Snapchat to yeah, do that? Because yeah. I don't use it. I mean, yeah. I don't use it in the way they do, yeah. but I still need to communicate through those channels. So I look at it as a, you know, we as professionals, you should always bring other people in. And mm. that's one thing that I thought was so cool about Boulder in particular as a creative hub mm. that I missed in the Bay Area. The Bay Area got very competitive at a certain point, And we joked that it was, at one point it was like, not that I've ever, most people think because my tattoos, I've been to prison. I haven't. But uh, because- <laughs> I thought but, skater. But, yeah, yeah, that's one, one or the other, yeah. prisoner, <laughs> usually both. Um, but uh, it, we always joked that was prison at lunchtime. Mm. You know, and you were like sitting, on, you, you were guarding your food so nobody would take it. And that's what 
the creative world felt like to me there. So when I located here, I, I literally walked up and down the street and gave my email to people. Mm. And I would think I'm, of those agencies that are still here, I'm personally good friends with 15 of the 20 people that I just emailed out of the blue. Mm. And they were like, let's grab coffee. We'll tell you about the, yeah. and I want that. I mm. think that is critical to any community, mm -hmm. um, whether it's your entrepreneurial community mm -hmm. or your whatever it is, your mm -hmm. freaking quilting community. Mm -hmm. Invite people in because that's that's how you keep like abreast of things, and it just it's it's support. Absolutely, you know, and and the subversive thing comes in. I'm learning so much from. I, I want to steal from all those people sure. too. You know, sure. So, what about Boulder? What what why Boulder for mm. all of us? Do you think is it? I mean, the mountains are obviously beautiful. It's a great place to live. I mean, there's some obvious things, but it feels like there's a third element, you know, beyond just the nice weather, the beautiful environment, the fact that you look at mountains. Do you sense that? Do you think that there's an energy here that's different? Is that, am I going to Naropa on us? No, 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 you're not, you're not at all. Um, I'm going to say back up for just a second. I think the main thing is when you're going to talk to somebody, don't try to come up with the right line to talk to them. And it's like, just be completely authentic. And say, you know, I really like your stuff. Uh, how did you do that thing or whatever? And then they want to talk to you. They will talk to you about it. I'm a horrible networker. I go to a party, avoid the food table because you always get trapped there. Right. And, and <laughs> you just hate food table. I just take a drink and stand in the middle of the room and see who walks up. You know, that's <laughs> pretty much it. It's a good strategy. And, and so I think in Boulder, you can do that because people are going to walk up. And so what do you think about? Monsanto changing the weather in Longmont. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. Something. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you look into it? Yes. Right. But about, it goes back to that openness, like you picking up yeah. the phone and talking to somebody. The community here, I think that's the third element, mm. is that there is an openness. And I pray to God that that's one thing that doesn't change. I know yeah. we're filling in and we got a lot of people here. Right. But if that changes, then I'm going to have a problem. Yeah. Well, people want to connect you. They, they say, oh, you should meet. Yes. So and so. Right. That's just a natural thing here. It's yeah. like, it's um, it's way it's it's way different from a lot of places where you have to go through five layers of some kind of social thing to you know. I mean, it's, right. so it's I always really say that's what's nice here is you bump into a lot of different people and have really good conversations with them. Yeah, uh, yeah. and, and it is it is it's like um. Sheesh, it is. It's something about that. It's just open enough to go up. And, and that referral network that you're talking about, like one of the funniest, interesting things that ever happened to me in the, when I sent out those emails is I went and sat down, the guy running an agency that was working on a, sh a pretty famous running shoe account here in town. And I'm like, those guys, the, the guys next door are working on a super, you know, the, a competitor brand. I go, how's, how's that work around here? And he's like, he goes, ah, you know, we're, we're all kind of just doing our own thing and there's enough work to go around and that mentality. And I mean, he, he even said, yeah, sometimes somebody will come in through our doors and they go, ah, oh, you shouldn't, you, we're not perfect for that. You should go talk to this guy. That's pretty rare. Yeah, right? oh, and, especially and, in and, business. And, and, yeah, in business Absolutely. of any kind, you know? but especially, yeah. 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 So that you can make that, that choice to turn some work away potentially and it comes back though. That's mm. the weird thing is, is mm. like you might turn one person away because it's not an ideal mm thing for your sweet spot, mm. but it comes back in some other way. And that's, that's what's one, that's the third element I think here mm. in town for yeah. sure. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. I think Naropa does have an influence here. That's fine. That's good. With well, it. they came for a lot of the same reasons. A lot of people who, you know, I mean, people have come to this place that who knows, I'm always fascinated by the land I've, my family's been here since 76. I'm just curious, like what has brought so many people here besides that? And maybe it's just the beauty and, you know, 
you kind of had to choose to be here, right? Mm-hmm. Like people didn't like you didn't just sort of land. Anybody who's in Boulder, unless you were born here and raised here, which just few of us, the, you you chose to be here. So this, there's a shared commonality just from that. Um, anyway, I'm probably overthinking the Boulder thing. <laughs> May, what are we forgetting to ask? What else we got? We've got to wrap up. Okay. Um, Sorry. I could talk with you guys all day. It's so great. I really, really appreciate yeah. you coming in. Thanks and for having the time us. And, that was fun. Um, this has been any any parting shots you guys want to say out there to anybody. Any websites we missed or anything we should? Oh, uh, anything the, we, plug? well, we do. I don't know. Quick, oh, the the, uh, the but the event on Tuesday. That's yeah, a great is, one. Why don't you? You do it. Details. I, I'm not very. We the students at BDW are unveiling their products. We have to call it Studio now. Studio. Okay. Thank it's you. BDW. It's okay. The uh, students at Studio <laughs> are uh, unveiling their products that they've been working on all year. Um, Tuesday the seventh at our facility off of Walnut. Great. It's so. at 1301 Walnut. You have to come down into the courtyard. Awesome. And uh, you'll see we have two studios. The doors are usually open. It uh, starts at 5.30. It'll go on for a while. And they have two major things they have to do before they can leave. And that's they have to have portfolios that we all bless. Uh, and then they have to have a product that they completely invented, designed, made, and so on. I guess the really exciting news about the next iteration of the grad program. In studio, uh, the grad program is like one of like seven verticals. And we're starting to roll those other verticals out now. But uh, basically, we've decided we've been doing this for years anyway, but we're going to go full tilt that the primary focus of the grad program is product design. Nice. That's so great. That's very exciting. And uh, very cool. Part of the reason is that CU now really likes product design and they've got mechanism in place. So I like those guys and they're, uh, you know, a university that's not been very innovative. Right. Than, They're you know, really starting to grasp other it. Other than their Nobel Prize winners are amazing, right? Right, right. right. Well, in certain pockets and certain silos. Pockets have but, been yeah. amazing, but yeah. I mean, it's like there's a lot more cross-platform communication going on over there, and it's it's um, it's starting to have some good effects. So yeah. Go Buffs. Yeah. <laughs> go Buffs. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Maybe we'll do this again some point and uh, go part two. I really, really, really appreciate the time. Thanks. This has been the I Can't Help You podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate it. You can uh, subscribe now, I believe. We're getting close, aren't we, Justin, on we're iTunes? We're getting close. We're, we're almost on iTunes, so that's coming up soon. Look out for that. Still pending. Yeah, and if you want to hear some of the old podcasts, you can listen to Integrated Health Podcast, which are on iTunes, a show that we do with Angelo Keeley. We're going to be bringing that back for, for a different show at another time, too, so it's a little bit of a teaser. But thank you so much for tuning in, and we appreciate it. And thanks for your time, guys, and see you around town. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.